Hi, I'm Sally. I'm Linda. And I'm Ming. Pour yourself a cup of tea and join us for this week's episode of Moving Oolong. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today we'll be talking about all of our ancestry and lineage tracing results and whatever we know about our ancestry, basically. Um, so more into that in a bit. First, let's get into our weekly recap. Um, Linda, how was your week? Um, so Ming and I are getting the COVID juice on Sunday. <laughs> juice. Juice. We we called last night. On Sunday? Huh? This Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Before but we like early. <laughs> okay. Hopefully it'll be done by then. But Ming, okay. <laughs> I'm blaming yeah, Ming. Yeah, it was my mess first. <laughs> And then I wanted the same time as Ming, so I just said whatever Ming said. Mm. Yeah, so we called on Friday, and I I gave up super fast on hold because I'm like, I'll just call again tomorrow because I hate being on hold. And I was the one who told Ming to call back because it was from like <laughs> a Bethesda number, and it was like scam likely. So I ignored them calling me like three mm-hmm. times before. And Ming texted me at like 8 p.m. saying that she got it. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to hit them all night until I get <laughs> the the appointment. And they came through like 45 minutes later. So we're getting uh, the Pfizer flavor on flavor. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I guess I'll yeah, be able to our witness your... <laughs> I'll be able to hmm? witness your sore arm afterwards if you do get one. Did you get Pfizer? Oh, yeah. So I have Moderna. Oh, okay. Were were you like how sore were you after the first one? Mm, I wasn't sore immediately, but it kind of like developed that night, like a little bit of soreness. Actually, it was mm-hmm. a lot of soreness. I think it was I was more sore in my arm than the like regular flu shot. But mm. then the next day, I was like mostly okay. But then the second dose, that's when like it knocks mm. every not everyone, but it locks it knocks a lot of people down. So yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Is that all for your weekly recap? Oh, um, I guess the other news is that springtime is here. So that means it's time for my mom's like annual pillaging of our neighborhood because there's all these like edible plants and flowers and things that she likes to scavenge from like random people's yards. And I feel like they all know like who we are now because we're just coming to their yards like digging for bamboo shoots and stuff oh like that. Gosh. And do they watch you? My mom and Pillage <laughs> watch them from the window. Yeah, it's like this this old couple, and we already got their permission to like mm-hmm. ransack their field um, whenever. And my mom and her friend went to um, do a photo shoot yesterday, and I saw the pictures, and they had like petals, like coming down in in the back and I was like how how did you get the petals to fall down at the moment and she said her friend was behind her shaking the tree so that the <laughs> petals were falling down in the background I'm like or just in someone's in someone's like yard and there's like a tree down the street that's like barren because we like stripped their little leaves and we're gonna make pancakes tonight so it's nice to be one with nature, I guess. <laughs> All right. Ming. Sounds wholesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, my week was 
um, I guess the highlight was getting the vaccine. But before that, I made some scallion pancakes over the weekend upon yes. recommendation from Sally and her recipe oh, and her rave reviews. <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, Sally didn't get to, to taste any of it because she lives too far away. So I just gave it to <laughs> Linda. Was it good? Mm-hmm. Did it live uh, up to yeah. the hype? <laughs> I don't know. I Okay, I was having problems with the dough. It was like super sticky. Like I don't know if you experienced that, oh, but yeah. it was like very sticky. I think it's like that and at first. You just got to keep kneading and then it gets Yeah, better. I, sh- I should have rested it overnight like you told me to, oh. but I was too impatient. So I only did it for a few <laughs> hours because I wanted to walk it over to Linda on Sunday. So yeah, I did that. Yeah, it was pretty good. I just ate the last one <laughs> today for like a, a mid afternoon snack. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was fun. Mm. Oh, you yeah. Can I guess store I store them. If you freeze them, you can store them for like a, a while, and it maintains the integrity. <laughs> yeah, I I froze like a couple or something after Sunday, but there was no point of freezing it because I just ate it. I just <laughs> ended up eating them. So. Um, yeah, because the recipe only makes, makes six, eight. I think. Oh, oh. I, I usually make eight out of it. <laughs> well, maybe I should have done eight because it did end up kind of thick and big. But mm-hmm. next time I'll do that. Um, Yeah, the the vaccine thing was like quite a rush, actually. I felt like I was getting <laughs> concert tickets or something because <laughs> I had also gotten the three phone calls from the unknown number. And it's their system is really not helpful, though, because... Even though they leave a voicemail, the voicemail for me was like cut off. So even when I saw I had voicemails and I looked at them, I couldn't tell what they were and I didn't recognize the phone number. So I kind of just ignored it like Linda. And I didn't even think about it until she texted me last night. It's like telling me to to get it. And then I was like panicking, trying to get it. And I was on hold. And I, I believe it was truly fate because <laughs> I was on hold for 59 minutes and I told myself I would like end the call at 60 minutes like after an hour i'm ending the call and then at the 59 minute mark the lady answered and i was able to get a vaccine and (laughs) yeah okay so it's my fault that we scheduled it for sunday because i was consciously thinking about us visiting hannah for her birthday so but i thought for some reason my brain thought we were visiting her on saturday so when i made the appointment at first i told the person oh like saturday's fine but then i was like wait we have the thing with hannah so i switched to sunday even though like <laughs> that was the wrong day. So we made the appointment for Sunday morning. So hopefully it'll go by fast enough that we'll be able to still go on time. Is it early in the morning? But I think it's, it might. It's 10.15. It's at 10.15. So oh. we'll see. I heard show up that a bit earlier. long lines. Yeah. My mom well, has to wait I, one I'm, hour. I know. I mean, I should still be fine for hopeful one hour. that it'll be fine, especially because it's a newer site. So we'll see. But. Also, it's going to rain on Sunday, so I guess Ooh. we'll just have to see what happens with that. But um, yeah, and then after that, we were able to call this uh, this morning for my mom. And she only had to wait for like four minutes, not, not even four <laughs> minutes. It was like not even a wait. And she got the vaccine and now my aunt's getting it. So we're all going to be vaccinated. Why don't you just get all at once? You can't sign up all at once. I don't know. I didn't want to push her. She was like, they they were very like, I don't know about you, Linda, but my person was following the script pretty quickly. Like, I didn't even have time really to respond before she was like, all right, have a great day. And then hung up. So oh. mm-hmm. I didn't really want to push it. Like going fast or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that is the highlight of the day. I'm so excited to get it. 
and just like have that kind of over with, you know, the second one's yeah. already scheduled. I don't have to worry about that either. So, oh, they do. And I get to do it with Linda. Yeah, they do it at the same time. They just do it three weeks. So it's mm-hmm. the same date. What do you think? Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. I signed up for the second one with Ming too because I was like panicking because you know when people ask you times over the phone and they're like mm-hmm. giving you a large block. I'm like, I don't know. And I'm looking on our calendars. I was like, I just 15 a.m. on May 2nd with Ming. <laughs> yeah, I just did it at the same time. I was like, let me keep it easy for this uh, person and like, let me keep it easy for myself. So the same time, except my mom, because we called today, she she was trying to get it at the same time as us, but I guess they filled up the slots. So she has to get it in the afternoon. So that's kind of annoying, but mm, a yeah. minor, minor detail. Oh, it's just in Greenbelt because my yeah. bro had to go to Six Flags today. Mm-hmm. Oh, for a second one? Second dose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sally, what is life like as a fully <laughs> vaccinated person? <laughs> um, I don't even think about it anymore, honestly. Like, it feels like so long ago. Not that, like, not to be <laughs> bragging or anything, but like, mm-hmm. I, I was just like at the second dose. It's just like, something less that I have to worry about I guess Mm -hmm. um but yeah I think my family is also in the process of getting their vaccine my mom has the first dose my sister and my dad are getting the first one soon and my grandpa's fully vaccinating vaccinated so we were able to travel to New York City this weekend to visit him and um like just in time also New York City like really loosened up their travel restrictions so we don't have to quarantine once we get there and then leave um mm-hmm. so we we're able to visit new york and also it was qingmingji or qingmingjie um which is like the tomb sweeping holiday festival thing so that was i think the actual day was like monday or something but we went on saturday to my grandma's tomb mm. and we did not sweep it but we did <laughs> we um did like the chinese traditional stuff it's like we brought like a roast duck um a whole chicken some like oranges and we were burning incense there so yeah that's what people do apparently um and then while we were there so there was like a lot of people there it was pretty crowded i guess because it's near the holiday um also mm. because People from my grandparents' hometown, they all bought the plot of land like where they bury themselves. <laughs> um, so they all bought it together and everyone is from the hometown. And everyone from the hometown goes to visit their ancestors around March. So it's like perfect season for everyone to come. So there was a lot of people on that hill mountain thing. But some people were setting off firecrackers, which I'm pretty sure was not allowed. And I was not like I was not ready for them. <laughs> Like they were very it was more like fireworks more than firecrackers because oh, wow. they were like shooting up in the air and then like raining down and I was so scared it was gonna like fall on my head and burn my hair off. <laughs> but I was fine. Was the cemetery in the city? No, it was um upstate, like an hour oh, away okay. from the city. Oh wow. So yeah, there's nothing it's like nothing around. <laughs> so good thing mm-hmm. they're not like burning down buildings or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, How's your grandfather? And, yeah, he's oh. doing well. He's like, I think he's in pretty good health still. But he's mm-hmm. like starting to, like, I've started noticing that he's like more shaky when he walks. But other than that, he like, he's very um stubborn and like thinks that he's very capable. He's still like <laughs> capable of everything. So like whenever someone tries mm-hmm. to help him out, he'd be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I don't need your help. 
<laughs> but yeah, it was so it was fun at um getting to, to see my grandpa because he started telling us his life story over like the two days that it was there. I think I heard it like three times because he would not stop talking about his life. <laughs> so I, I will give you more details about his life story in our coming um, content, but just a little teaser. <laughs> oh, also, I visited the restaurant that we talked about in the last episode with Kathy, that, the one that she worked at um, called mm-hmm. Winston. And it's like a restaurant and a bakery. So I tried out their food and it was pretty good. Um, mm. Like I was more, the most, I was most impressed with their, I think it's called like big chicken bun, but it's basically a Taiwanese <laughs> um, yensuji cutlet, chicken cutlet thing, um, sandwich in between two Chinese pastries. I don't know what exactly pastry it is, but it's a type of like Chinese bun and has like, um, a special Asian mayo sauce <laughs> and like, other sides on it is pretty good. And yeah, did also, you intentionally go there because of the episode or Kathy, or did you just happen <laughs> to be like there? I kind of just went because of Kath because we had that conversation with Kathy, and I was like, mm-hmm. hmm, I'm, since I'm in New York, let me try this out. And Might as my, well. yeah, it's like pretty close to my grandpa's house, so it's not. It wasn't like a big drive out. And we were also going on a food tour this weekend, Ooh. so I tried a bunch of other foods out. Um, so yeah, that was fun. Now I'm back in Maryland doing the same old stuff. <laughs> I'm surprised no one had any work matters to discuss this update. Do you? No. Oh. Work is pretty like blah for me right now. Like pretty standard. So that's, I guess, good. <laughs> So today we're going to be talking about ancestry, and we have a special segment called Ming's DNA test coming <laughs> up. <laughs> so so Ming did do the uh, 23andMe, and I think, is it like Ancestry DNA or something? The other one? Ancestry.com? Mm-hmm. So yeah, ancest- mm-hmm. Ancestry.com. So we'll be talking about those results, and Sally and I didn't get the test, but I will still share a bit about our own ancestry and lineage. So Sally, since you, your grandfather's story is still fresh in your mind, do you want to <laughs> introduce your your ancestors, mm-hmm. predecessors? <laughs> yeah, so I've been, I started being curious about like, I guess my grandparents and where they came from. I Because I always knew kind of where my parents came from, but I never really knew my grandparents' story and like the people before them too so I started getting interested I think like in college and like post-college so I started asking and started listening to my grandparents my grandpa's stories and also asked my maternal grandma about her lineage so that's what I know mainly but basically on my dad's side uh, my grandparents are from this small town um called what is it called Oh, Yunping or Unping in Mandarin. And it's a it's a small like city slash town in um the Guangdong province. So it's like southern China. And my grandma, both my grandma and my grandpa are for are from Unping. And I'll get more into that and how they met later. <laughs> um that's part of my grandpa's life story. 
<laughs> and my mom's side of the family um, is from Hong Kong, but they weren't actually like they weren't in Hong Kong for a very long time. I just re- recently discovered. Um, so basically, my mom's mom. So my maternal grandmother's grandma, I think that was the generation that immigrated to Hong Kong from China. I'm not really sure where in China they're from, but that's when they immigrated to Hong Kong. And apparently um, they ran. I don't know um, which generation it started, but in my mom's like childhood, some of her family members ran a Chinese sausage um, business. So she would pack, like, she would be stuffing Chinese sausage into the casings and, like, tying them up, like, every weekend or something. So that's why she, like, doesn't eat Chinese sausage at all now because she's, like, scared <laughs> of them. That's true. Um, so, yeah, that's what I know about my mom's family. <laughs> it's a pretty, like, I also know that my mom's dad used to have a bunch of land in China. But after mm. he passed away, it just disappeared for some reason. Or my or I guess my uncle never went back to China to claim the land. So I don't know what happened to that. So the part that I'm most clear about out of all of my family ancestry is in grandpa's story. So <laughs> let me tell y'all his life story. Um, he had a pretty interesting life. So he was when he was young, he grew up in his hometown, Yanping. And I think when he was around like 18... Actually, not 18. I think after elementary school, he said um, that's when he stopped all the schooling and like had to start looking for a job. But he couldn't find a job, um, at least not in the village. Oh, for a while, he was like carrying water to the village, like from, I guess, from wherever their water sources. And he wanted like more opportunity for a job. So he moved to Guangzhou or Guangzhou which is like a bigger city in the Guangdong province, still in southern China. And I think he had some relatives there, so they let him stay with them. And then he somehow got into um, working at this car, um, like mechanic shop. So he was fixing up cars. Like, I didn't realize that back in the day, they already had cars and everything, but (laughs) (laughs) I guess they did. so then he started fixing up cars and somehow he got <laughs> called by the communists. So like while he was growing up, there was like the civil war between mm. the Republic of, or what is it called? Like the democracy or Republic <laughs> party. The CCP. CCP. Isn't that the communist party? That's the communist party. Right? Oh. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, it's the communist party and the democratic party or Republic. I don't know what it was called. The two parties are fighting. And before, I think it was under like a de- China was under like a democratic ruling system or something similar to that. And then later on, the communists took over, as we all know. Um, mm-hmm. So then, right, Grandpa <laughs> got called by the Communist Party to go down to um, Hainan Island or into Cantonese is called Hoilamdo. It's like at the su- very south of China, small island. And he was called to go there to help develop the area after the civil war and then my grandpa like went into a lot of details talking about like um (laughs) back he likes to talk about this part of the story a lot so he's like back in the Hainan island like 
he was tell- telling me about how everyone in his team was like brothers and they treat each other like so nice. And oh. he was he was also like it was so hot in the island that we would just work in our underwear and like swim in the water <laughs> when we were hot. <laughs> um, but he also told me like before they went there to develop the area, like all the tribal people were there. And then he was telling me like, I, I didn't catch all of it, but he was telling me about their way of life and like how, I guess, tribal and like primitive it is but then after they developed the island they built a bunch of like roads and more developed housing so i don't know what happened to the tribal people after that but Mm. (laughs) that was part of the story and then after he finished developing hainan island oh so he got there when he was around 21 and i think he worked there for around like four years and then he at that's when they were done developing it um, so then he decided he needed to get married because then <laughs> um, he he was called to go to Beijing to do some like auto repair work up there. And then before he went to Beijing, he Beijing, he wanted to get married um, so that he could, I guess, start building a family or something. So then he went back to his hometown. He drove back with a car that he got from the Communist Party or le- got lended from the Communist Party government. Um, so he drove back to his hometown and then he asked his godmother, I think, to that he wanted. He told actually he told her, I want to get married and it has to be like right now. So then she introduced right my she introduced my grandma to my grandpa and they got married like the next day. And he took her around the lake in his car. And then they went to and then my grandpa left for Beijing. And then my grandma oh, wow. followed later on but yeah that's their romantic love story (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah he also told me okay he also told us that in beijing before my grandma got up there he was like he was rushing her to get up there because he was like there were a bunch of girls trying to chase me in beijing (laughs) 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 but anyways (laughs) so my grandma went up to beijing by herself and apparently it took her two days um, cause she had to go by train and it was like really complicated to get there back in the day. And they started there. I think they had like two kids, one or two kids there, my big aunt and my younger aunt, I think. And then they mm-hmm. moved back to, um, Guangzhou, which is like the big city in the South, um, to have the rest of their kids. And I think that's where they live from the rest of their time in China before they immigrated here. Mm. So yeah, my dad was born in Guangzhou and all his other siblings too. And then finally they immigrated because I think they were able to immigrate to America because my grandpa's brother was already here. And then he was able to sponsor my dad's whole family to move over. Um, Oh, actually at first it was just my grandma and grandpa and then my dad and his younger brother. And they had to, my dad and my younger uncle had to fake their ages to be like under 18 or something so that they was they would still be considered kids so that they could go as a family over but then his other siblings were too old to fake their age so they had to stay and wait later to get come Mm -hmm. over so yeah i think mainly my family or at least my dad immigrated over for like job and for education purposes too and then for my mom's side of the family they immigrated to canada first 
So my mom and my my mom was the first one to immigrate over, and um, she stayed with like a friend for a while. And she was telling me about how when she first immigrated, she had no job and like she would just work at her friend's candy store like in a mall. And she was like, she didn't know what to do because she like didn't have a job. And back in Hong Kong, she also didn't really know what she wanted to do. <laughs> so she didn't have like a like clear career path. But then when she got to Canada, she started looking for more like science research based jobs. And then she got her first job. and. like when she was telling me about her job it was like the worst thing ever like her shifts were in the middle of the night and she had to wake up and like bus to there and in canada it's super cold so she had to wake up in the middle of the night and bus to her night shift and then like get off i don't know like morning or daytime and then apparently at the job they like pride themselves in being really fast at these um sample processing so she told me like whenever she worked there she had to like literally run to get the samples done in time <laughs> like run around <laughs> the lab but, yeah that was rough but yeah my mom's family actually all it eventually immigrated over to canada for a bit but then they didn't like it there so they moved back to hong kong <laughs> and then my well, mom did not <laughs> huh yeah my mom did not move back because then she met my dad he was at Maryland. He was he was in Maryland at the time. So my mom, after my, me and my dad, she moved to Maryland and went to school there. And then they got married and had me and my sister. <laughs> Did my they explain our, your mother's family why they chose Canada? Over I think Canada was any other country. To, I think it was easier to immigrate mm-hmm. to, at least for her at the time. I don't think she had any, like, she didn't really know anyone that immigrated to mm-hmm. America. So I guess you also need to have someone to kind of bring you like in. Like a sponsor? I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know how it works for Canada, but I know for America, you have to have, like, a sponsored. So mm-hmm. it was yes. probably Well, no, we learned this <laughs> in our uh, AST class about, like, chain family migration. And how like yeah, yeah. one family member always brings over the other, but mm-hmm. oh, you know, like the paper yeah. sons. I think that was another thing. I think that mm-hmm. was what Sally was doing, like making them to be kids so they can come yeah. over. Yeah, uh, yeah, changing the age. I didn't know before, yeah. like I started looking into this. I didn't know it was so hard to immigrate over into, especially into America. I thought like if you wanted to immigrate, you could immigrate over, but there's a lot of hoops that you have to go through, and even becoming a resident or a citizen is like other like another set of hoops besides just immigrating Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel like america likes to talk about how they're the land of the free and like home to immigrants and very welcoming to others but there are so many hoops to jump through that you don't even think about i guess especially if you didn't have to go through it yourself Mm -hmm. like speaking for myself i learned a lot of it from like just be sitting in in, like ast classes and learning about that because they especially don't teach about like asian immigration in like high school or yeah uh, middle school or anything and i think i take i like sometimes take for granted that i'm like born a u.s citizen because i was listening to like um on the floor podcast oh yeah where they were talking about like um daca and you know like uh the host of the podcast esther i didn't know mm-hmm. that she was like what did you call it like a daca or just like a dreamer card, a DACA dreamer yeah yeah so she doesn't have residency or citizenship 
I forget which one of them, but like she doesn't mm-hmm. have permanent um, residency and she can be deported at any time um, if the like DACA policies change, I guess. So mm-hmm. I didn't know like even if you were raised here for so long, you could still have that like tentative deportation like just up in the air at any time. That's kind of scary to think about. Mm-hmm. Sally, okay. what is would you say it was like after the Exclusion Act? That was a longer time ago, right? What? Like when they immigrated? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I think they all, both of my parents immigrated around like 19, I want to say the late 1980s. Mm. So I don't know when, whenever that act yeah. was. The 80s, yeah. I feel like it's fairly recent in terms mm-hmm. of like immigration i feel like a lot of people immigrated around that time though like Mm -hmm. a lot of my asian american friends have parents that were first generation immigrants so i think Mm -hmm. it was probably yeah Yeah. we don't know any like other gens i think like third gen fourth gen kind of thing like i know my peers second gen but most of them are second gen yeah i think that's the difference that um i was trying to touch on when our like east coast versus west coast thing is that East Coast has a lot more newer immigrants because of the the wave in the 1900s. And I feel like West Coast is more of like when you think about, I guess, if you want to think about stereotypes and like gold rush and all that time, that's like mm-hmm. the 1800s. So they're earlier. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they have like more generational um, or more generations of family in America. Yeah. But- it's funny. It's funny to hear about your grandfather being a mechanic, a car mechanic, because my grandfather is too. He's like so really? into cars and like fixing <laughs> cars. <laughs> so I can really just picture like a grandfather, like because my grandfather is the same attitude too, where he like he's too old to be like getting on the ground looking at cars and doing stuff like that. <laughs> and like our family always yells at him, but he like tries to do it anyway. But that's relatable. <laughs> <laughs> they should hang out. <laughs> Oh my gosh, just talk, introduce talk cars. <laughs> I don't think my grandpa's yeah. fixed a car ever since he immigrated, though. Because when he immigrated here, he mm. did the restaurant business. Well, he didn't do the business. He was just working for people. But yeah, mm-hmm. he was in the kitchen. That's interesting that your mother's family also moved back, right? Mm-hmm. To Hong Kong. Yeah. Well, I think... Is she so the only the reason- one here? um yeah my mom's the only one from her immediate family here Mm. but I think my parents immigrated for slightly different reasons I like I know my dad I said my dad immigrated here for a job but back in China they were actually like pretty like they were struggling pretty hard in China and they came from a pretty poor like family and background I guess so they came here mostly for like a I guess a better opportunity but my mom immigrated here just to look for like a new job or like, I mean, like new opportunities, but she would have been fine in Hong Kong too. Like her mm. family, I mean, they weren't like super rich, but they were more well off. Mm-hmm. In general, Hong Kong was like at the time was more well off than in, at least especially in like rural China. Mm-hmm. So, does your mom ever talk about <laughs> wanting to go back like permanently? Um, I don't think so. Cause all her friends are here now. She has a few friends in Hong Kong, but. The majority of her friends are in America now, so I think she's established herself. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, it was Tell um 
<laughs> I was just thinking about how uh, my mom has like a, a different, obviously she didn't immigrate into the U.S. or anything, but she has, she was born in Ohio and then moved to Maryland at a pretty young age. And she was telling me the other day about how it's so weird for her, the fact that she realized she's been in Maryland longer than she has been in like Ohio. Yeah. And so I feel like that might be similar for your families or your parents, like considering that like that time that switches over when you've mm-hmm. actually spent more time in mm-hmm. like America. That is in weird. your home country. But I feel like your childhood years are so formative that like mm. even though That's true. like now that they're older, they're in a different place, but they still like think about their hometowns or their mm-hmm. childhood like visions of their hometown is like still very fresh in their mind. And whenever my mom my, whenever my mom goes back to Hong Kong, she's always like thinking about how Hong Kong used to be and like telling me oh this Mm. used to be like this and like oh you can never get like the same quality of fish balls anymore in Hong Kong like (laughs) that kind of stuff so it's still very fresh in our mind yeah they talk about that too yeah it's it's like kind of they're like outdated view of Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. things were like back then and then when they go back they're like super surprised at (laughs) everything and like the things that I know from them are outdated too so mm-hmm. when I go back, I'll never be able to integrate because I'm talking yeah. in slang from like 20 years ago. <laughs> I know. To people now. <laughs> yeah, I think they touched on that that weird like in between, but like nostalgia kind of um, in the farewell when the, they go back to see the grandmother. But also mm-hmm. in um, one of my AST classes, we were talking about that, how um immigrants kind of like hold on to this nostalgic idea of their their home country I guess and so Mm -hmm. they raise their children with that ideal in mind but it's like such like a gray space because it's not what the country is currently you can never go back to what it was in the past so like you'll always be in that like kind of gray nostalgic I don't know space (laughs) but yeah yeah Linda what about your family Mm. Oh, I guess one thing I wanted to ask Sally is, do you mm. know what, like, ethnic group you were? Like, is it just straight up, like, Han Chinese? Or do you know if there were other things in your I family? I think so. I I never, like, asked about ethnic groups. And I don't think my grandparents know. But what other ethnic groups are there besides Han? <laughs> I don't really know. Mm, I mean, there's, like, there's Xinjiang, which is Tibet. And... Mm. There's like Uyghurs um, and there's like other stuff that I know them by like how they look and they're like cultural like costumes and things because every mm-hmm. year on New Year's you watch like the national like performance and they have all these like ethnic groups come out and perform um. their their dance and things like that. So you can like distinctly tell there are a lot of different groups, but I know like Han Chinese is the um the majority i think yeah i believe i'm han then (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if the ancestry tells you like that though maybe they just say like straight up chinese Mm -hmm. do you know what you are linda you want to go into your lineage i feel like i don't know like nearly to the level that sally is like has in-depth knowledge but my dad is taiwanese from kaohsiung which is where my my dad's side of the family is from and all I know is that they used to live near like a big like sugarcane production or like sugarcane farm 
And my dad will always tell me how good like raw sugar cane was and how much he misses eating raw sugar cane and stuff like that. And I remember trying oh, I know it in Taiwan, Taiwan and it wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> the sugar cane juice. <laughs> my mom really likes that, but I, I don't like it that much. Yeah. And he would always be talking about like yams and things like that. And I didn't know how like significant like yams were until I was talking to like the rogue Tassa from these this other group. And they were saying how during the famine, all people had to eat were like yams and sweet potatoes. So that's why in some areas they call Taiwanese people call themselves like sweet potato or something. <laughs> um, don't fact check me on this. I think this is like a medium <laughs> blog. So it's very abstract and from like people's like passed down experiences and more recently I learned about how like Japanese occupation in Taiwan it wasn't that long ago so it still really impacts the people and my dad knows like these random Japanese words too like he asked for a kohi in the morning because <laughs> he thinks it's cute to say but that's what coffee is in in Japanese <laughs> I could just see your dad try to be cute like that <laughs> But yeah, there's like all this language from Japan passed down. And recently I've been learning more like Taiwanese and how similar it is to like the dynasty language in China in like ancient China and how like these words were kind of passed down and how the Taiwanese language, there isn't really like a written form, um, just like spoken word that's been like shared throughout the generation so I want to learn more but all my dad teaches me are like weird like weird <laughs> things like no one says in in regular life um you know so. Pisces huh oh, yeah. you know, know Pisces at least <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can't think of an example another example <laughs> that would um that would be helpful <laughs> but that's where my dad's family is and where oh, my wait. Before you move mm -hmm. on, I would I just want to comment like it's interesting how your dad, or at least Taiwanese people's um per perception of the Japanese is so different from like mainland China's people's perceptions. Because my grandma was also like, I think she was a kid during the Japanese like occupation of China or like when they were fighting China, and mm. apparently the Japanese. I don't really remember the history, but the Japanese um, were like did not treat the Chinese very well, and she just like has this hatred for Japanese people ever since like just growing up, even even until like present time, she just didn't like Japanese people after that like experience when she was a kid. So it's so different, like mainland China from Taiwan in terms of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I don't know because. Wait, that's true. Because I feel like my mom is more like anti-Japanese, I think. Because for mm -hmm. the dramas we watch, it's set in that time period where like the Chinese people are like resisting Japanese occupation and like they're so heroic and the Japanese people are like portrayed as super evil and things like that. And when I was younger, mm -hmm. I'm like, so like, what is the deal? I don't get why you're like, I guess, prejudiced against this country, but the older I get, the more I understand how this whole country was affected by Japanese occupation. And I know yeah. for like 
if I wanted to study Japanese or like go there or whatever, I would probably be like disowned by my ancestors is kind of the the vibe that I've been getting through through life. I don't know, Sally, that's similar. Oh wait, but so your dad is okay with Jap- the Japanese where your mom isn't? Huh? So your dad likes the Japanese where your mom doesn't? He doesn't really like it. I don't know. He just like doesn't express. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't express like outward like dislike, but Mm. I think he's just like accepting that. Not accepting, Mm. but he talks about like colonization and how like materially our family was affected by it. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, because when my ama passed away, my grandma, my Taiwanese grandmother, they did the Shinto and the Buddhist rites um, Mm. for the funeral, which is like you have to pick out the bones with chopsticks and then i forgot what comes after but that was the main thing i remember that was part of the the shinto buddhist um like rituals that they did so you like burned her and then took our bones out what yeah yeah like cremation was a part of it oh Oh, that reminds me sally of the question i was going to ask about your family but Mm -hmm. Should I ask it now or hold it until yeah, after go. Linda's? You can go. Well, depends. <laughs> yeah, let me just go ahead. Okay, because I know we were like thinking of talking about religion later or like in an entirely different episode, but I was wondering, like, do you know when your family um, converted to Christianity or did they ever convert? Were they always Christian? Oh, the only people in my entire family, like extended family included, the only people that are in my family that are Christian are my mom and my dad. Like none of the siblings or parents oh. are Christian. So did it they came p- from my parents? Oh, like picking um, it up while they were in Canada or like the U.S. No, actually, it was after they like after my mom immigrated here to the U.S. I think mm. because they started going to the church that I'm in now after my mom moved after she moved to Maryland. I believe I don't know when they started going to church, but <laughs> right. so it was before you were born. Yeah, before I was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know we've talked about like how uh, the church can be like a form of just uh, community for Asian immigrants a lot mm-hmm. of times. So just curious about that. Also, because Linda, you were talking about how um, your ama or grandma was um, Buddhist or Shinto or followed that religion or the traditions. But I know you said your mom is Christian. So mm-hmm. yeah. I definitely think that like going to a Chinese church helps my parents like develop their Asian community or Chinese community here in America because they don't have any Chinese friends outside of church. Like I don't mm. like I don't know how I would make Chinese friends. I mean, of course now like there's more Chinese people in schools and stuff, mm-hmm. but I think like I know the most Chinese people just from my church and then the second most from Tassa. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> So Linda, what about your mom's side? Um, yeah. So my mom is from Inner Mongolia, from a town called Chifeng, which is in there. I can't figure out what the political relationship is between like <laughs> China and Inner Mongolia, but I think it's a part of it. I don't know. Probably, yeah, because then they'll be like straight up Mongolian if it wasn't a province. Um, and that's where they're from. I think like um my great-great-grandmother was actually from 
the Mongolian ethnic group in China. And I feel like the culture there is also kind of specific because all the songs are about like grass and like nature and <laughs> the plains and like horses and things like that. And I don't know if you remember that CD that my mom would always play yes. in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember what it sounded like, but it did sound kind of different than the traditional, mm. like, I don't know, like, Chinese music or Chinese folk music, too. Um, and I don't know. I don't really know that much aside from what it's like there. I've been there one time when I was 12, so I didn't get to experience mm. a lot of what the what the region was like. But I just know that it's super cold, and my mom told me when she would walk to school like her eyelashes would be like frozen everything <laughs> would be frozen um so it was very north and I think that's where Sally and I's like cultural differences come in because north and south are mm-hmm. pretty like distinct like one is like noodles and one is rice or like <laughs> one is dumplings and one is um the other thing I don't know yeah Oh my god. I don't have like even a the lineage dumpling story style. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, even the dumpling style is different from north and south. Because south you get more like the thin wrappers and then north you get more thick wrappers and like wall TS kind of stuff. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But what is the difference between Inner Mongolia and Mongolia then? Mm, I think for Inner Mongolia, it's like a city. For us, Trufeng, it was like a regular seat, so it had like apartments and things uh-huh. like that. It was next to like the grassland and the forest and nature, but it's different than like Mongolia, I think, where there's cities there too, but there's also like the round um houses, like the traditional houses that they have. Um, and I think the food is also different because there's a lot of like dairy and meat, and they would do all these like primal things which I don't I think is kind of like primal propaganda <laughs> like hunting and gathering and stuff like that um. which I don't know if that's true if they actually do that because my like um I guess exposure to Mongolian media is very limited and wait remember the the guy on YouTube that you watched that goes around trying like different regions mm. of I guess Chinese food so mm. Um, when he went to Inner Mongolia, was that like an re- accurate representation of what Inner Mongolia food is like or like what the t- city or town is like? I know like the the milk tea is accurate because my grandparents would have milk tea with like every meal. Is it just and... regular milk tea? Like what you get at boba shops? I don't think so. I think it's like specific to <laughs> Inner Mongolia because it's hot and it has like the leaves directly in it so they just have it every morning and there's a lot of like dairy products like dairy and meat products that go with it did your did you ever ask your parents or do you know why they immigrated or was it for education or jobs or something yeah, so my dad went to graduate school here, so he came here for school and got a job here and just, like, settled down, I guess. I feel like once you go to school for so long, you become, like, acquainted with the area, and that's where you get a job because mm-hmm. that's where your connections are. So that's where we settled, and my mom just came. <laughs> so your mom and your dad in America or before that? 
before that. So they met in in Beijing. So they had oh. a long distance relationship. How did I feel they like a lot end of her parents in... had a long distance, right? Yeah. How did they end up meeting in Beijing when your dad was in Taiwan and your mom was in Inner Mongolia? So my mom went to Beijing to go to school, to go to art school. And my dad was also doing something there. I think he was just working in Beijing, mm. um, which is where I think our paths kind of crossed alley because your, your grandparents were in <laughs> Beijing too. Well, that was probably like a different generation. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's where, that's where they met, the central mm. location. Because mm. I know when... My dad was in Taiwan, and it was hard because you can't go straight from like Taiwan to China or something. Like you can't fly straight there, so he had to go to like Indonesia and like Thailand, and then like reroute the mm. the the plane to to go see my mom. Oh wow! You put it. Wait, work. we should have your parents on to talk about long distance relationships. Yeah. Honestly, my parents <laughs> they probably have really good advice. I guess it's different because you can't like call and text and stuff. And do they write letters? Told me, yeah, they wrote letters. And Aww. one so time, cute. like my dad had like was bringing fruits, and you had to like hold it in your hand so like they don't get smushed up. So I think that's what my mom was telling me how he was like holding the fruits for the whole train. Oh, <laughs> acts of service. Acts of service. <laughs> do your parents ever talk about wanting to move back to? Taiwan or Inner Mongolia. Yeah, they talk about going back to retire, but they also talking about mm. talk about like settling down in like one of the townhouses in Greenbelt because they think it's nice there. <laughs> Greenbelt. So I don't know what they want. <laughs> That's so different. <laughs> Too extreme. They just Yeah. I think they they mainly like the weather here and how like unpolluted it is compared mm. to mm-hmm. like back in the home country where I guess yeah. we're next to a sugarcane farm and then you're living in Beijing, you're living in a city, like the level of pollution is different. They always talk about how we need to be thankful for our resources here. It's so nice to hear you two talk about like your family's, I guess, histories and being able to to trace back, I guess, far, kind of far. Yeah, that's kind of far for us. It's like what, like almost 100 years, basically. So that's pretty cool oh, to wow, hear about because... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you think about it like that, that it's pretty far back. Um, that feels so far back when you say a hundred years, but I guess it's true. My grandpa's almost hundred. How old is your? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's ninety three this year, I think, or ninety two. Mm. Oh, so he old. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, do you still have any grandparents around? Not around. Well, yeah. alive. Okay. Yeah, both my both my mom's grandparents. So my Lolo and my Loya. Are they both um, in Inner Mongolia? Through, yeah, they're both in Inner Mongolia. And <laughs> we video chat them sometimes and they're so like rural, I think. <laughs> <laughs> do they have like a country like, accent or something? Yeah, they do have kind of a country accent. And they were <laughs> telling me how they got like a new like tatami bed and it's like half of the room and they were having trouble like rolling around in the tatami bed because it was so big. So they almost like got people to like saw it in half. But the tatami is like built into the wall. And my mom what? told me that she saved them in a nick of time from like destroying the tatami. <laughs> I don't know, we contact them a lot. So it's fun. 
<laughs> I'm looking up to Tommy bed right now. Is it like those bamboo mm. mats? Yeah, it's like low to the ground. Okay. Yeah. Kind of thing. Interesting. Huh. Well. Well. Main. I guess. Yeah, I guess I can get into For the finale. <laughs> the finale. The climax. <laughs> honestly, not even that interesting. I, okay, because I think, okay, Linda, to start off, Linda got me the Ancestry DNA kit for Christmas, right? For Christmas. Mm-hmm. She was my secret Santa. Because I'd been thinking about it for a while, and yeah, so I guess that's what prompted it. But growing up, my family has always been really into ancestry and like tracing lineage and stuff like that. Like my grandma, I guess, is the one mostly into it, and then she passed that on to my mom. And so they're like, whenever we go over to Ohio to her house, my grandma always ends up pulling out old papers, old pictures, and that sort of things. Like my grandma's super into genealogy, and she's able to trace her line all the way back to like the 1800s or something like that like wow. they're very into it oh the pilgrims so, <laughs> the 1800s <are> not- <laughs> wait girl okay anyway <laughs> yeah like so growing up I always had that around me and I've always been interested in it but obviously like when they talk about like white people and like relatives they like try to get me into it but like it doesn't mean anything to me really and that sounds very harsh but I never felt any connection to these people so I guess that's always why I wanted to do some kind of DNA test to at least find out something I guess but yeah the test was not that interesting honestly so what <laughs> like, was the I result was, like <laughs> okay because I, I joined the Reddit, the 23andMe Reddit, and there's all sorts of like, oh, I'm like, this percent this, or this percent this, or like, I found a like long lost sibling or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I guess I'll start off with 23andMe because um, it's the best for a, a Chinese specifically adoptees because um, the they have more kits in China, 23andMe does. So you have like a higher odd of like finding a relative or like getting more accurate DNA information. But basically 23andMe said I'm 99.8% Chinese. Wow. <laughs> Which is I guess good to know, but it's like, more certain <laughs> than the vaccine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like part of me is kind of disappointed because I wanted something a little more interesting, but also like what was I expecting? Like China's a pretty like monolithic I mm-hmm. mean Han Chinese is pretty monolithic, I guess. So yeah. So it says 99.8%. And the other like point something percent is Southern Asia and India. So I guess that's interesting. But yeah, 23andMe gets really into the different regions. So like I texted Sally when I found out because I'm from this. Apparently I'm from the same area of Guangdong as like her father. Mm -hmm. So So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Southern China. And they give you like the map that they show you highlights the regions in order of like strongest evidence of where you're from. So Guangdong is like the highest and all of Southern China, basically those provinces are high, except for the province that I was adopted from, which I always found very interesting. Um, That's like completely like 0%. So that leads you to think of like the the legitimacy of these kits, I guess. And like um, I was reading up on how like the regional information isn't that accurate because it really is biased by how many kits are delivered to one area. So like yeah. Guangdong can cover, apparently there's more kits there. So it like leans in that direction anyway. 
And maybe mm-hmm. the province that I was adopted from, like, they just don't have that many people being tested. So it's like, you have to take it with what a grain of salt. What was the province that you were adopted from? Jiangxi. So it's like uh, right above or it's still southern China, but it's mm-hmm. like when you look at the map, it's like completely zero percent. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows what to believe? But yeah, from 23andMe, you can like really get into depth into like the regions you're from and then they have like relations or like people that have taken the test as well that you like share some percentage of dna with and they'll like rank it by closeness like first cousin second cousin or anything like that and i found some third cousins actually which initially sounds really cool but when you think about it third cousins the last related person you're like share is like your great great grandparents so yeah (laughs) that's pretty like (laughs) far away so they say that the best like you can't really consider a true like dna match until you get to like second cousins or even first cousins is pretty much everyone's standard so i mean nice information i guess at least you know you have third cousins in what hawaii (laughs) yeah she lives in hawaii because on 23andme you're able to create kind of like a mini profile and like list where you're currently at or like some of your family's history so yeah, the one that I have the highest amount shared with is in Hawaii. And I mean, I could contact her, I guess, but I don't really see a point. If you're ever in Hawaii, hit her up. <laughs> hit her up. Wait, do they give you the contact information for these people? They give you, like, you can list your email. So I could email her or they have, like, a messaging portal kind of. So you can, like, message her through 23andMe. And, okay, after this... I went through a whole like rabbit hole of going into like adoptees specifically who have used 23andMe and looking for their, I guess, birth parents or any family, I guess. And they they have a lot of information that they've gathered and they share stories of how they've been able to connect with people. And so I was like getting really into it and like into my feelings, I guess. But I've come out of the hole. I'm no longer in the hole. <laughs> Would you be interested in looking for your birth parents or trying to find more information i think i would I be think there's agencies or something that do stuff like that yeah chinese adoptions are very complicated because most are closed you know because mm. of the one child policy so they don't really like the governments don't really want you to be looking and there are people like in the facebook group i was in there's like chinese searchers who you pay them and they help you find contacts or maybe your foster parents or like stuff like that and so that's always a possibility but I don't know. It just it seems like a lot of like financial and time and emotional kind of labor that you need to put into this. And Mm. I don't think I'm really ready for it. At the time when I was like in the group and in the pit of the group, I was thinking Mm. like, oh, I'm in quarantine. Like I have nothing else better to do. Like I could start looking into it. Uh, But yeah. (laughs) What was like your mom's reaction? Um, when you found out your test results and things like that. Yeah. So I took, I took, didn't tell anyone for like a few days. I didn't even tell you guys for a while. Cause I was kind of just like taking it all in and I guess dealing with the fact that I found out I'm 99.8% Chinese <laughs> or whatever. So I didn't tell her until like a week later. And then I broached it very gently and I was like, Oh, like, you know, I took that DNA test and 
I got the results and I kind of like presented it in like a cool like ooh ancestry kind of sciencey way like <laughs> oh look at all these regions and like look at all these tests that they you can do and like that sort of mm-hmm. thing because like I said my mom is really interested in gene- genealogy in general so she thought that was part was pretty cool but when I showed her like the potential related family members part that's when it got more like I guess serious or like she asked me if I was interested in searching for my birth parents mm-hmm. or like would you contact these people kind of because my mom is also kind of paranoid when it comes to like sharing your information online and mm-hmm. contacting people and stuff like that so she was hesitant about that but yeah I told her it was more just like good to know information but yeah did you find any of your like um I guess medical history or predisposed like predisposition to like you know medical stuff through these dna Mm -hmm. tests because i know you can i think i think that's an option yeah so on 23andme and ancestry i guess both of them i mean they're businesses so um, you have to pay extra to find out your health information which i haven't done yet um so i didn't do any of that but Mm -hmm. uh, 23andme will give you like kind of funny like traits kind of like oh you're like more likely to have freckles than not or you're more likely to be a morning person than not so they have those kind of like trivia kind of traits but nothing like serious yeah did you get the freckles <laughs> i actually didn't they what? said i was le- less likely to have freckles but i guess i'm proving <laughs> they them were wrong, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah overall i think the tests are interesting but it really helps to have your own like familial information to like back it up because mm-hmm. like there's no way to prove it if they're right without like having that knowledge in hand so for adoptees a lot of time it's just like you're kind of just doing it to like have a sliver of more information so mm. do you feel like it's common for adoptees to get dna tests you mentioned there were a lot of groups like mm-hmm. online for people i mean it really varies based on who you're talking to because some people are like super into it and they want to find out that they want to search for their birth parents like at a pretty young age or they want to find more information but I know other adoptees who wouldn't even consider it like they wouldn't even like it wouldn't even pass their mind and when I was younger I was really like that I was like I don't even want to think about it like I always told my mom I was like don't worry mommy like I'll never look for my real parents (laughs) that sort of thing so but I guess like any kind of identity it changes or evolves a little bit um over time I guess so you may become more open to it but I will say that I think adoptees who are a little bit interested in are more willing to take that risk because I know when we talked about this episode idea like Sally you were pretty like not interested in doing a DNA test Uh, for like valid reasons but I do think if like someone who doesn't have any information about themselves at all like they're willing to do a little bit more to get something you know Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense though yeah oh so there was also the the photo story (laughs) (laughs) i forgot about that okay well okay so the facebook group that i was in with all the adoption and dna information in it there's like a bunch of subgroups based on the region you're from so they had certain specific province Facebook group so I of course joined the one that I'm from and in it the the way that this nonprofit is set up is that they have connections in China who will like find birth parents who are looking for their 
birth children are like interested in, in finding their children and they'll connect with them and they'll share photos over WeChat or there's like actual people on the ground there who are talking to the birth parents and like they'll share the photos that they have or like, oh, my daughter was born in this year. So can you try to find her? That sort of thing. So they'll post those pictures in the Facebook group. And one day I was just scrolling, like not even expecting anything. And I found my photo, like my actual photo. And I like, I almost froze when I saw it. And I started hyper, like being like super panicky and thinking like, oh my gosh, did I actually just find my parents just by scrolling in a Facebook group? But mm-hmm. I was brought back down to reality when I realized that the photo is from me at age like two or three. And if you don't know yet, I guess um, I was adopted at nine months old, like as an infant. So there was no way that so weird they could have my photo, but they have my photo. And it's it's actually me like I told. OK, I shouldn't have maybe I shouldn't have told my mom, but I told my mom and she was like immediately like frazzled being like how did they get your photo like I know I had that Mm -hmm. photo so we spent like the next like three to four hours like searching our basement for the photo (laughs) did you find it we found it yeah (laughs) we found the photo it's yeah it's exactly from like when I was three or four and it's the same exact dress the same exact haircut and everything so it's definitely me how did they get that how do they have it I was pretending to be you like I know. Okay. And then I was thinking, well, maybe they have the photo from someone else, but they know it's me. But then all the information, like the birth history was completely wrong. It says that the baby was adopted to Spain. And I was like, I'm definitely not in Spain. So (laughs) yeah, I have no idea how they have it. And I was going to contact the nonprofit and like ask them about it, but I haven't yet. (laughs) You should. It's like CSI. <laughs> I know. Like, I want to find out, but also I'm just going to be like really disappointed by the answer. Like, because it's not my parents. So if anything, it's just bad for them that they're, they have the wrong photo and they're never going to find their kids. So that's also a motivating factor. But then I don't know, like maybe I will contact them, but I don't know. <laughs> so that is the mysterious case of my photo. It's like out there, I guess. So, so weird. weird, but this is before the age of like digital photos, too. So they must right, have exactly. Photocopied it. The only thing know. that I can think of is that maybe so in the photo, there's a few girls because I was adopted in a group, mm-hmm. and um, when we were younger, we would do reunions kind of, and like we would all meet up together, and our I guess our parents would take pictures of us together. But the only thing I can think of is maybe one of the parents also had the same copy of the photo. And then somehow shared it with that nonprofit. And then the nonprofit kind of just listed the wrong photo with the wrong name. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like an admin That's the only thing. thing. Yeah. Because I don't know how like birth parents in China would have that photo. Because like yeah. Sally said, it's like a physical photo. So it's a mystery. <laughs> that, that was su- surprisingly the most um, surprising thing about this DNA thing. Like... 99.8% Chinese, like not that much information, but, but I guess I found out someone has my photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe like when we can travel again, maybe you can hit up that spot that the DNA test mentioned. Hawaii? Um, maybe just like for, not, not Hawaii, like, <laughs> oh my God, I forgot what, <laughs> the place in China. Oh, the province? I mean, Sally, it's a pretty big province, right? The yeah, well, it's like province the, whole too, south, right? the whole south of China. I'm just to search the whole region. Sometimes the orphanages do have like 
um, heritage tours is what they call them. Like you can come back as an adoptee and like get a tour. But Mm -hmm. from what I've heard, the tours are very, very sanitized. Like they basically show every person the same exact kind of sample room and they show them the same exact sample records. So it's not very transparent, I guess. Mm -hmm. And you obviously have to pay for it. So I, I don't know if I would ever do that. But I am interested in going to that region, the Yihong region, because I guess that's where I got my last name from. So that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Yeah. But oh, Huangming. Yeah. Apparently, I was just named after the orphanage. Like, they would often do that. Like, if you meet someone with that last name and they're an adoptee, it's kind of likely that they were adopted from the same orphanage. Because mm-hmm. they'll know, have, like, na- naming systems. Do you know if um, your Ming name is from the orphanage too or from the birth parents oh i don't know about the birth parents but my mom didn't edit it like she didn't change my name at all like that's the name Mm -hmm. that the orphanage gave me but i don't i don't think it's from the birth parents because i do have a note from the birth parents actually (laughs) Uh, saying what i don't wait yeah i guess i didn't tell you guys but i found this like maybe two years ago i was talking to my mom about my records or whatever and she pulled it out and that was a pretty rough night. Like, I didn't think it would impact me that much, but I ended up, like, sobbing or whatever because I was just so, like, overcome by it because it's, like, a handwritten note on, like, a little piece of red paper, basically. And my mom or the orphanage had it translated, I guess, and it basically says, like, this is our daughter. Like, this is when she was born. So that's how they think they know my exact birthday. And mm. it says, like, we can't take care of her anymore, but, like, we we love her and, <laughs> I'm getting a little like mm-hmm. emotional, but yeah, I when I first saw it because my mom had never talked about this note, but when I first saw it, it was like very, um, it like hit me pretty hard because it's like if this note is true, which I guess I'm so cynical, I'm always thinking like, is this a real note or not? But mm-hmm. if this note is true, then like that means that's the, like the only thing I have from my birth parents. So mm-hmm. like, and because it's handwritten, it's like such a tangible thing from them so feels so personal Mm. did they sign it or anything or did just say like that sentence yeah there was like no identifying information on it like i guess you could try to do like some handwriting kind of sleuthing but (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that'd be pretty hard but yeah they found it like pinned to me when i was found by the orphanage and that's that's really all i know so that's my do you feel some type of way that your story (laughs) your mom didn't show you yet or oh Mm, i don't know sometimes i get like kind of annoyed or upset that like i don't know more information or i I didn't know sooner but i also think it's fair for the adoptive parent to like know their child or have their child's best interest of course like it depends on the parent but like Knowing my mom, I know that she waited until like I was ready for it because if I saw it as a young kid, I don't think I would have taken it as significantly as I did. Or like I always knew I was adopted. She can't hide that from me. So it's not like she was hiding that. Like Mm -hmm. that would never work. But I guess like those more tangible documents, she takes care of them for me. Like she still has them, I guess, like Mm -hmm. in a safe and like all the notes about like how I was adopted and I was in foster care for a little bit, all that information, like. I've learned over time and I, I I think it's for the best, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe we can go back, Sally, to 
to southern China and <laughs> just do a whole tour of the area. We can take a trip back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm honestly... I'm not, like, pressed, really, to find my birth parents or even to see the orphanage. Like, not really. But I would mm-hmm. like to see the area and just the culture, I guess, of the area. Yeah. And, like, I because I know it's very specific to region. And, re- and, like, going to Taiwan was, like, amazing enough to, like, be in an area where, like, you blend in and, like, um, like you, yeah, I guess blend in. You don't stand out. But, like, it would be even cooler for me, I guess, to go to the exact like province or the region mm-hmm. of yeah i've never been from, back so. to china so we can definitely go together <laughs> my dad, is it possible to chi- travel to china now i think it is possible i mean i don't know oh, now because okay. of covid but i think like once yeah. covid is over probably but my dad's always paranoid that like if i travel into china they'll like detain me and not let me come back <laughs> i so, know wait why? i feel like my parents would not want me to go back to china all right so they're against you ever like well, at least my there? dad is. Even like going oh. to Hong Kong, my mom and I really want to go to Hong Kong once COVID's like over. Mm. And every time we mention it, my dad's like, "Be careful! Like you shouldn't go to Hong <laughs> Kong because they might just keep you there, <laughs> or they might oh like, my gosh. take you away." Oh, they almost oh. try to take my bro away <laughs> because what? he's he's eighteen now, and in Taiwan they have oh. mandatory oh, military yeah. service, so there's not like a whole like summoning letter in. And like Chinese with like the seal and stuff. Oh my gosh! Like, How did he get out of oh it? Oh my god! Oh, apparently, like they think that he was missing and that he was like a delinquent for his whole life because he didn't go to school <laughs> or like they didn't have school records or anything. So they thought he was like loafing around for like his whole life and didn't notice that he was like out of the country because you can have dual citizenship. So mm-hmm. I don't know what they did, but like my uncles there had some like correspondence and they sorted mm-hmm. it out. And I was like, Leo, like, just go, you know, it will be fun. <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> yeah, because how can they expect, like, all Taiwanese citizens that are living in a different country to, like, come back for their military service? Wow. But that's an actual concern for some adoptees, like, the documentation and paperwork. Like, sometimes the agency or the birth parents or whatever will, like, mess it up and there's been like some cases of adoptees being like taken back or um yeah taken back to their birth country so repatriated find them yeah it's kind of like the same thing of like if you go travel and then they check your documentation and it's like not Mm -hmm. valid or it's like messed up in the system they'll like detain you and keep you there and then america won't claim you because sometimes their citizenship gets messed up so I was kind of low-key nervous when we went to Taiwan because I was like, my mom told me that like I have a green card or I don't have a green card anymore. I have my passport and everything, but like, you know, who knows if this is actual legitimate. But mm-hmm. Oh, man, yeah. like you try to get your license and they were like checking the citizenship. Oh, it was so hard. It was so hard to get my license because like when you're adopted in the U.S. technically, or I don't know the laws now, but back then, like you're automatically a U.S. citizen because your parent who's adopting you as a U.S. citizen, but there's, like, a moment in time when you have a green card. So, like, I had a, a green card as, like, as an infant child, and then it switches over to, like, full citizenship um, after a certain amount of time. But, yeah, when I got my license, they look at your birth certificate, but my birth certificate's in Chinese. Mm-hmm. But we had, like, a, a translated copy that was translated by, like, the government, mm-hmm. but they were like, no, it must be translated by the DMV department translators. <laughs> 
They didn't trust my passport from the U.S. government or the translation from the U.S. government. So I had to pay money to get the DMV to translate it. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of a headache. And that's my excuse for not getting my license on time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I don't know about you all, but I feel like I learned a lot more this episode about Sally and Linda's parents and grandparents and apparently Sally's grandfather, who was a ladies man. And Linda's family from Inner Mongolia. And um, honestly, I love these kind of episodes because we get to reminisce and be a little bit nostalgic, but also remember what our parents told us and like reflect on that. So overall, a 10 out of 10 episode. If you like this episode, make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram at movingalongpod and check out our Medium blog for all of our bonus contents. You can follow us there at movingalong.medium.com. Until next time. Bye. Bye.